0: fakes the handoff, he drives the lane, he takes it to the house, bouncing up defenders. he just laid it in, he just put it up and in, 56 seconds to play, oh by the way, it's
1: time. Live, in the entertainment capital
0: of the world, game seven is over, it's an instant classic, it's the TC Martin Show, a three for the game, Bang!
1: It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, TC Margin.
0: You've got to pinch me.
1: The doctor is now in. Our number deuce on a Monday. Glad to have you here. VGK Ballpark. Perfectly frank, Harnish. Golden Knights in action tonight. They're 2 0. Do you think they're going to be 3 0 tonight? Could they be 4 0 after Wednesday as the Arizona Coyotes come to town? I know that the Coyotes. I like saying the Coyotes. Do people say Coyotes? I've
0: heard Yotes. Yotes? I haven't heard Coyotes. How about Utes? The two Utes? Well, they're, they're not from that state, so no. They're <laughs> <laughs> from Arizona, not from Utah. <laughs>
1: All right. So, yeah, VGK tonight and Wednesday. We're going to talk a little Las Vegas Aces uh, a little bit later in the hour. Dan Padover, the general manager, is going to join us. The big news that we touched upon last week is Mark Davis purchases the Las Vegas Aces. Not official yet, so don't know how much we can actually talk about that. But uh, that is on the horizon. More football we talk this hour as well, too. But, yes, uh, back to uh, VGK on this MLK Day as they take on uh, Arizona. Game number one, we talked about last week, where the Golden Knights were got out to that quick start, you know, two goals in the first two and a half minutes. Then Anaheim came back tied at 2 2, then void of scoring in the second. And then they took care of business in the third. So I think we all anticipated a closer game on Saturday, and we got it, but uh, it was a little too scary for comfort, but they did get
0: the victory, and they were 2 0. Yeah, and Pete DeBoer actually said he thought they played better in the second game than they did in the first. They just didn't get the the puck to go past. And I, we had talked about it. Gibson, although he was coming off kind of a rough season last year, is a quality goaltender. He tried to steal him a game, but uh, Vegas stuck with it. Beautiful pass to William Carlson. He buries it to set up the overtime. Then the shortest overtime in the history of the Vegas Golden Knights, seven seconds, they basically win the faceoff. go down, stone to Pacioretty, bang, game over. So they really kind of stole two points out of that one that, you know, they kind of kept with the game plan there. Going to be interesting with the Arizona series coming up because this is almost like a mini playoff series because you have the two games here and then you go there for two games. So right. it's actually a four-game set. Right. And I believe they do that with Colorado coming up as well, which I still think is a team that they're going to be battling it out with all season long. Uh, I know a lot of people say St. Louis. I still think St. Louis is really going to be missing Petrangelo. Uh, what he meant for that team, Tarasenko on the uh, the long-term IR. So they have a lot of problems there. I do think Colorado's the other team to beat for Vegas. And, again, you want that number one seat out there. But, yeah, I mean, they they could have only had two points after the first two right. games. That would not be satisfactory. I also think it's interesting that tonight it looks like there's going to be a couple line changes out there for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Nick Haig expected to play. They might be going with the sixth defenseman, Cody Glass. Looks like he may be sitting on the sideline for this one here. Uh, So they're going to try to implement that sixth defenseman like we thought they would. Remember, they're trying to circumvent that salary cap all the time. So you're going to see guys kind of bounce up and down all season long. And it looks like Keegan Colsar might be a center in that fourth line. So there are a little bit of lineup changes. But DeBoer also did mention anything he does right now, he's trying to get more offense out there. Remember in the bubble, the reason the Vegas Golden Knights got eliminated last year, they couldn't score goals, you know. Okay, they're not giving up many. They shouldn't with the goaltending tandem they have there. But they still need to find ways to score goals. They're 2-0, and but when you only hit one in regulation in the right. last game and you need overtime to win it, you know, that is a concern, even though it's very early on. This is a playoff team. They're going to go to the playoffs, but you want – the number one seed, absolutely, and we talked a lot last week
1: about the goaltending situation. We saw Leonard start in Game One, and Marc-Andre Fleury did get the start in Game Two, which with the gold pads and the gold jerseys. Yes, yeah. and,
0: and I gotta say, I do like the gold jerseys. I do like the gold jerseys. I thought that they pop more when you see them live than when you do from a distance, right? Because you see the sparkles and everything yeah. else. It really has that kind yeah. of flair to it and everything. So, yeah. I'm still not the biggest fan in the world of them. I don't, but then I'm not a guy that uh, you know. I don't go gaga over or mm-hmm. under. It, no, it's remember, something to wear. Yeah, I remember when we saw those jerseys in person. I thought,
1: oh, we, I think we both said, "Oh, a little too much like Nashville." And yeah, I don't know, but it didn't look that way on the ice. So, uh, well done. But I'm glad that Flurry did get the start as he should have. Again, will it be this fifty-fifty thing? Well, after two games, it has been fifty-fifty. It'll be interesting to see you know, if DeBoer continues this or not. And uh, what was your observation real quick about Flurry in game two?
0: I thought Fleury was sensational. Who played I mean,
1: better uh, fl- uh, between game one and game two.
0: I thought Fleury actually had the better game. And, and again, I'm not saying that just because they only gave up the one goal. He came up big when he needed to. The, the, the goal that he gave up wasn't his fault. I'm not saying that everything that Leonard gave up was necessarily his. It's usually a team effort out there. I thought Marc-Andre Fleury was, uh, was dialed in. He had an excellent game. Leonard's also a quality goalie. This team literally has two starting goaltenders. I hope they do continue with, if it's not straight up 50-50, something real close to that. Because you do have a concentrated schedule where you're playing so many games, you want to get them both in there. And quality goalies need reps to stay sharp. Even if Leonard were to start the next four games and he won them all, it's not fair to Flurry to then throw him in because when you're that good and you're that elite, you you don't stay on the top of your game if you're not getting reps. And you you have to do that. You can't simulate that in practice.
1: All right. Golden Knights in action tonight against Arizona and another home game on Wednesday as well. It would be great if they could go 4-0 4-0 here, opening week of the season.
0: And by the way, there are some if, – if you want to go down to Arizona for the two games on Friday and Sunday, I, there are some packages in that. They are allowing some fans down mm-hmm. in Arizona. I know Tommy Epilito from Hyde Lounge said that if you contact him, he'll give you contact down there and everything. So I, I think there actually are going to be some Golden Knights fans down there in Arizona, <laughs> which is kind of weird. You figure that all the home fans of any team would be really, really doing everything they can. We were just talking about, well, how do you get – tickets in green bay right now when they've got a 50-year waiting list for tickets and right. everything else right. out there and now we're talking about a team who's so i don't want to say unpopular but obviously they don't have yeah. the total pulse of that city it's arizona where, come where, on where, where you can be a visiting fan in a mm-hmm. limited seating capacity and mm-hmm. still have a chance to get tickets yeah. kind of like uh with the raiders fans in kansas city right
1: we saw that but yeah, totally different fan bases. Don't confuse Kansas yes. City oh, Chiefs absolutely. fan base to the yeah. Arizona Coyotes.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. The only snow they know about down there is snowbirds. There you go. All
1: right. So AFC yesterday, um, the Chiefs take care of business with Cleveland, and the Chiefs did it again. They won by five. Didn't still have not uh, beaten anybody by more than six points. Going now with the last what uh, nine victories. Uh, did not cover the spread again, so yeah. that makes them one in nine in their last uh, ten games. Yeah. And, and
0: although I did win that on our best bets, if you would have told me that Cleveland was going to have seventeen points, I would have said, "Yeah, well, they definitely." Uh, yeah, Kansas City yeah. definitely covered then. Right. Didn't see a twenty-two yeah. seventeen game, and <laughs> like I, I like I said to Double B on Friday, teaser pleaser. So,
1: but I think I did win my burger with uh, with him with the Packers and Rams game. So remember, I had the we had the bacon jam, uh, the yeah, burger, yeah, yeah. the water. Yeah. So. <laughs> And guy came through, so we'll see if his memory is uh, you know comes back on Friday with that. You,
0: you making a food
1: bet, what a shocker! Yeah, no kidding, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna take TJ Reeves to the cleaners too. <laughs> I'm gonna take him, <laughs> uh, even though I wouldn't mind seeing Tampa win, but they're, they're not beating Green Bay in, in this line. of Four, Are you kidding me now? I feel that way. The way you felt about the Packers only laying seven with the Rams
0: should be more than four and actually open three and a half. I still think just in the back of my mind and maybe it's because I'm trying to set myself up to not be super disappointed when Green Bay wins the game. Yeah. I think Tampa Bay embarrassing them maybe in the worst game Green Bay played all season long is a bad thing going into this game. Totally agree with that. And the Packers play the revenge game better than anybody. And in yeah. Lambeau with no, some yeah. fans there again a yeah. little the, the when this if the snow does start falling and I see it starting to fall like right around the start of the second half or something, mm-hmm. it's going to tease and, and hold off a little bit. And then the fans will actually cheer the snow and stuff like that <laughs> like they do. Like I've seen at Bears games in the past and right. different things. They cheer that type of weather. Yeah, I just – I I got a really bad feeling about this game. No, this, this could be a double-digit uh... – you know, blow out victory for the past it could. If I it weren't could. doing the show here with you I don't know if I'd even watch any more NFL football this year <laughs>
1: See, that's terrible
0: <laughs> It's just wrong Terrible Monday That's terrible
1: Tuesday It's a manic Monday, okay uh, And I appreciate you taking one for the team And for our listeners Thanks, man I appreciate it yeah. Franks and wow. continue to watch football There's some breaking news
0: Go, Pat, go <laughs> oh, I'm going to hurl <laughs> That's, a, that's one of the reasons I didn't eat breakfast today. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, that
1: was a story, though, yesterday in this game. Uh, aside from, you know, if you had Kansas City, yeah, you got backdoored because Cleveland scored the last points there. 22-17, Mahomes injured. That was the story yesterday. But really, you know what the bigger story was? It was the Kansas City Chiefs defense because they showed up. And they have been getting shot. And shredded. they needed to. They needed to. And it was, I will say, a little bit, you know, surprised that they did. But – talked about it you know uh the last couple days you know thursday and friday and again you know knowing that they had the bye week and andy Reid, another victory coming off the bye week they were going to be prepared again the chiefs just have seemed to be on this coast control all during the regular season and they did uh ratchet up a notch but when patrick mahomes got injured there was a lot of nervous chiefs fans There was a lot of nervous chiefs betters and you could see the cleveland had momentum, but they just really didn't exercise it. They didn't capitalize on it. And, and the Chiefs' defense, you know, withstood and they, and they they came back and they held up. But there's a lot of nervous people with Kansas State thinking, oh man, here we go again. Because you got to remember, I mean, you know, people want to talk about the Browns and the choke jobs they've had. Kansas City had some choke jobs themselves in years past when they've had the best record, they've had home field advantage. We were talking all about that last year. And sure, they kind of got the monkey off their back, and they got it last year. But for the most part this year, they've done just enough to win. Now, I don't know about your thoughts on this, but uh, I firmly believe, I'm going to say it right here, right now, that Patrick Mahomes, he's going to play on Sunday. And anytime a guy gets a concussion, people say, okay, well, he's going to be out next week or whatever. The way this happened, it wasn't a helmet-to-helmet blow. It wasn't a blow to the head. He got put in a chokehold. It was like a wrestling move, like a takedown. Well, it was a
0: UFC card earlier. So. There you
1: go, right? <laughs> but not in Kansas City. But <laughs> but it was it was it was strange. And so he was dizzy. You saw the eyes. But then I saw him actually sprinting down the the tunnel to get back there and go through some testing. He wanted to get you know obviously back in the game. The right. NFL said, hey, no, 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 we're not going to let you go. He probably could have came back in the game. So I know people automatically think, hey, concussion one week, you're automatically out. Because we've seen it 95% of the time. But will the NFL be a little bit more lenient? Because it's the AFC Championship game. They want Patrick Mahomes in the game. But I firmly believe that the injury was not that serious. He's got to go through a five-phase uh, test of the concussion protocol. Right. He's starting that today. I'm predicting right now he's going to be fine.
0: I would be shocked if he's not in the game. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe it's worse. And, and, and I know it's sometimes they say, and, and I'm not a doctor certainly, but we've talked to physicians before, and you have some that are friends of the show. I know that I've some of the doctors say that a concussion, sometimes the symptoms don't really even take place or really get there worse until two or three days after. So could it regress? Could it get worse? than it looked like, but I, I saw the same thing you did. I saw him running on the sideline, running down that tunnel. He looked like he could come back in the game. Discretion, the part, of, the better part of valor. I don't know if Chiefs would have thought that if they would have lost the game, but they didn't lose the game. So, But, yeah, they're going to do everything possible out there. I think they are going to have to do the due diligence and do everything properly to go through all those channels to get him on the field. But I do expect Mahomes to be there. I do know this, in my opinion, if Mahomes isn't there, then I really, I'm first off, I'm curious to see what happens to the line. Mm. And secondly, I don't know that they can beat Buffalo if they don't have Mahomes. But the other thing, too, that you said in the start of this whole conversation when they've been kind of coasting and that kind of stuff, and that's what we've all been saying for the last eight or nine weeks now. Are you starting to think that maybe it maybe it isn't 100% that they're just coasting and maybe they're not as good as everybody thought?
1: Oh, no, I agree with that. And I, I'll say right now, they're not winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it is so hard to go back to back. Not just because you have a target on your back, but just everything it just doesn't unfold that way. And they had a magical season last year, and there is a reason why that uh, that happens. And I just I don't think it's happening this year because of the body of work that they have put in front of us. And if, if anyone's going to you know, be the favorite, it's the Green Bay Packers. Oh, absolutely. And then the second choice is going to be the Buffalo Bills because they have just as long as a w- of a win
0: streak. As the Packers do. Yeah, and you can't say, well, Buffalo's got to go into Arrowhead where they play as colder and worse weather conditions normally than Arrowhead. Now the winds might be different and that sort of stuff, but the weather should not be a factor in this game because both teams should be Mm -hmm. ready for potential adverse conditions. Yeah, and if you want to throw in the crowd, and like T.J. Reeves is
1: saying, he's 100% accurate too. a game in the Superdome under perfect conditions with no crowd at all. That's advantage visiting team, as far as I'm concerned, and we saw that happen.
0: Yeah, because everything echoes, right. and you can hear it even more, what exactly. everybody's doing. And, and it certainly seemed like Tampa Bay knew that. When yeah. Brees was making the calls on that, Tampa Bay, they made the adjustments. They right. knew what was coming. But with Kansas City, there are fans in there, and they have more fans, almost double the fans
1: that they're allowing in Lambeau. They have but between 16,000 17,000 fans, and who knows, maybe even a little bit more in that stadium, and they're pretty loud. I mean, I've been watching Kansas City games all year in that stadium, and it gets pretty loud. And, again, with a right to go to the Super Bowl and to come back and repeat, those fans are going to be revved up. So I think there is a home field advantage, and especially when you're playing on that grass as well. And we saw Buffalo slip and sliding the last couple uh, games on the natural surface there in Buffalo. So I don't know. And the way Kansas City – and we'll talk more about this during the course of the week – the way Kansas City – you know defeated buffalo and they ran all over them especially rushing the football too so but i want to get back to uh, the protocol that the nfl has in place okay so step 1 which patrick mahomes uh, started with today okay based on the symptoms uh, the player can engage in light stretching and balance training and eventually progress to light aerobic exercise step 2 is player graduates towards cardiovascular exercise and dynamic stretching and then takes a neurological and balance test step 3 The player can move towards a limited amount of football-specific exercises. That includes up to 30 minutes of practice time under the supervision of the athletic trainer of the team. Step four, football activities increase to non-contact drills, such as throwing and running. Another set of tests must again show baseline results. And the fifth and final step is uh, requires a team doctor to clear the player for contact. Once that happens, the player must be examined by an independent neurologist uh, affirming that he can you know, be able to play from that moment on. So, five steps. We've already seen it. And again, I don't think we're going to get a decision until later in the week. Maybe even as late as Saturday. And I know the Chiefs are going to want to try to keep this close to the vest, but the NFL does have their own injury policies that they need to let people know. It's not like we've seen with hockey and some of these uh, you know, other sports that we were talking about last week as well. So, uh, I think this is going to be one of those things where you know, you're know you not going to know if Patrick Mahomes is cleared by a doctor until after he goes through contact drills and goes through all that. So I would say Friday at the earliest, we can speculate and say, okay. And I'm sure we'll get reports like how he's progressing in the next few days. But uh, if like you said, if he's ruled out and Chad Hedy has to play quarterback, yeah, that line goes from Kansas City a favorite to, I believe, an underdog or maybe a pick or something like that. But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes has got to be worth more than three points.
0: Well, and it's interesting, too, because now I haven't looked. Maybe you've looked at the books in that. But right now, is that game circled with a number because of the question mark? Or I'm are not they, a circle, be, be, no. Because Because I think the assumption right now is Mahomes is playing. Yeah. I, I think anybody would be shocked if they're not. And like you said, yeah, I, I don't think Kansas City's going to make an announcement until they have to make an announcement. But if you're Buffalo, you're preparing – for Patrick Mahomes. Yes. And if he doesn't play, even if you haven't prepared for Chad Henning, what do you have to do to prepare for Chad Henning? <laughs> I mean, I mean, and that's not a total knock on him, but he is a backup quarterback who a lot of people didn't even know that he – I know I saw social media going, Chad Henning's still in the league. Right, 35 years old, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just – it's a completely different dynamic. Okay, now it's time to
1: give him props because a lot of people didn't know he was on the roster. Couldn't even tell you who the Chiefs' backup was. But we remember him because he started the final week of the regular season. And, again, that was a concern leading up to the game. Hey, Patrick Mahomes hasn't played in 21 days. right? And good thing that Henny did play because he wasn't that rusty because he hadn't been in the game all season long. Because yeah, he guy, got game reps. Yeah, guy hadn't been in the game in four years. Think about that. And he comes in and gets the job done. This guy was 6-for-8 six yesterday, 66 yards had the 14-yard gain on third and 14, which was phenomenal, which really sealed the deal. He ended up a little bit short, then they had to go for it on fourth down, and that was amazing. But what happened in this game with Chad Henney coming off the bench and coming cold, and then have Andy Reid have the cojones to call the play that he called, amazing on what transpired yesterday in Kansas City for them to seal the
0: deal. Okay, the prim- the season, the worst fourth down defense in the league. They allowed more conversions than any team, and now they face the biggest one in some 25 years. Right here,
2: Andy Reid, really smart. Send everybody out there. You got guts, right? You're trying to draw them off, off sides. Take a timeout, take it down, let the clock click, try and draw them off sides. Hey, hold on, hold they put Henny in on, the gun. Hold on, hold on. Walk up, pretend like you're going to go ahead and quarter Sneak motion them back, try and draw them off sides, and then take a timeout.
0: You walk up there and say, No play, everybody. Don't jump. There's no play. Just look at the body language. Oh, there is a play. Kenny rolling out.
1: Several times this year, he starts talking and talking and talking, and all of a sudden, whoops, I'm
0: wrong. This was hilarious. Well, yeah, sometimes apparently no play is the play. Yeah, right. Because it's like, yeah, I mean, he was so adamant about like, hey, you know, if you're on the defense, you just can't jump off sides. No, not playing this. You walk up there, look at the body language. You fake the quarterback sniff. The body language is like maybe Henning did look at the body language and went, Oh, they just assume we're not gonna run this. But I'm pretty sure that that was actually the call all the way through it was it, it, it they got the job done but yeah wow Tony Romo uh you want a washcloth to get that egg off your face because wow he didn't have a clue <laughs> we're gonna have to play that for for terrible Tuesday again tomorrow because that was
1: priceless and again as, as I as I said afterwards the post I go he outsmarted any Reid outsmarted Everyone. And I mean everyone. Not just Tony Romo, but everybody. I don't know if you saw the postgame show with CBS and Bill Cowher. Bill Cowher said, I would have punted. I would have punted. I thought, you know, Andy Reid might not punt, but he goes, I will admit. And good for her, Bill Cowher saying that he would have punted. He wouldn't give Baker Mayfield the, the ball back. But Andy Reid said in the post-game press conference, "No way in the world I was punting." No, he goes, "We were going for it." And again, when you go back and you look at that play, that was their bread and butter. That's their go-to play. You know how certain teams have like their go-to two-point conversion play, that's their go-to fourth down play, fourth and one. And we saw it a few weeks earlier against Miami when they had to do the exact same thing and boom, the exact same play except it was Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Patrick Mahomes was in the game, Obviously, it's going to be a rollout. He could do whatever he wants. He can keep it. He could you know dump it off. Whatever. Yeah, maybe, maybe Cleveland's more ready for it. Yeah, you know. But you figure, okay, well they're going to get this easy and there's no hesitation. But with Henny and giving him the ball at midfield, yeah, there was a lot of reservation, including myself. Like, okay, I thought, sure, I'm going to buy into you, Tony Romo. They're going to call a timeout, but I still thought they'll probably go for it. But then they're either going to sneak it or give it to Williams because they were giving it to him up the middle. But that to actually throw the ball and throw it on fourth down and throw it with Chad Henney, your backup quarterback, it basically hasn't played in four years. Uh, shocker. And then for Tyreek Hill to corral the pass and stay in bounds, just just phenomenal. And what about what Tyreek Hill did earlier in the game with that catch that Stefanski challenged you know, shouldn't have challenged? He, you know, because his back was to Tyreek Hill. But he did that balancing act, and he kept it on his knee. And that came back to haunt them, along with Baker Mayfield's interception and another Stavansky timeout, which he blew on offense because they couldn't get a play in
0: time. Just Cleveland, I mean, acting like – well, not acting, but they haven't been there before, and it showed. Well, yeah, and then the, I know we're going to get into this a little bit more tomorrow too, the fumble through the end zone and that. So, yeah, they they found ways to beat themselves. But I thought the more gutsy thing was, like you said, the fact that he threw the ball and not ran it or something like that. Because if you drop it or something else, or if there's an illegal procedure, a holding, a lot of things can go wrong on a play like that. But what what kind of surprises me in hindsight of hearing that that play again is – that Roma was so adamant, knowing that they weren't going to go for it, when if you remember right at the start of the highlight, what were they saying? Cleveland is the worst team right. in the NFL stopping teams on fourth down. So if you're Andy Reed, I'm sure he knows that stat. Yes. So if there's any team you do go for it against... This is the one. Yeah, and literally it literally was inches too. Yeah. yeah, it was inches. You have the worst team in the league against you, and you know that Andy Reid's kind of a riverboat gambler who goes for that kind of stuff. That's why I'm shocked that Cleveland wasn't ready for it at all, yeah. be- because it, obviously they know those mm-hmm. those stats too. Maybe they don't know it's going to be a rollout pass. Although, like you said, that's kind of their bread and butter and what they do. But to be so adamant with Romo, they're going. There's no way. I mean, they're not going to. You just gave the stat that they're going up against the worst in the league. If if you're one of the best offenses in the league, even though your backup quarterback's in there and you're going against the worst. You know, the, the
1: telling tale, though, in, in this was the play before. We talked about the third and 14 when Henny took the sack. And I don't know if you saw the look on Travis Kelsey's face because he was downfield Thought he had a mismatch with the guy that he was a foot taller than, and he just like put his hands to his head, almost went down to his knees, going, "Oh no!" And again, with Mahomes in the locker room, knowing he's not coming back, you could just feel the momentum slipping away. Like this is it. And so I was texting my our, our good friend Curtis, who's a diehard Kansas City fan, you know from from Freddy's, and uh, I said they need two first downs, two, first, and then they got the first one. Like, okay, one more. That's all they need is one more, and it'll be done. <laughs> And then when he took that sack, and now you're at 3rd and 14 thinking, oh, no, they're going to have to punt the ball. Because got to remember, that sack was back around 35-yard line. Right. So the punter, if they don't gain anything, they're probably going to get some decent field position, Cleveland is, and with plenty of time. That would have been a minute and a half, minute 45 to go. It's like, okay,
0: this, this thing could get shaky. Could get interesting.
1: So at 3rd and 14, he goes back to pass. He couldn't find anybody open. Chad Henney at 35 never being a running quarterback takes off and he got that one block. Okay. And then he, and I said, is he going to make it? And he dove head first, didn't give himself up and looked like he got the first down initially, but they marked him a little bit short, but that was gutsy. And uh, I I texted my one buddy and I said, just like he was at Michigan. I know you wouldn't want to hear that, but he was kind of a little bit of a running quarterback at Michigan, but I mean, he's 35 now or whatever, but to me, that's what uh, came into my mind. Chad Henne in Michigan, taking off and running like no way in the world. And the Browns obviously weren't expecting that,
0: but to me, that was the play. Well, you say he channeled back to Michigan. I say he channeled as Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, he looked nothing like Patrick Mahomes <laughs> while he was running,
0: <laughs> but but, but it, he almost you know, got the first down. That yeah, looked like Patrick yeah, Mahomes. No. Yes, yeah, true. That's true. But but no, yeah. it, it was a gutsy play. And again, but, but again, it's like you're going to get if there's anybody you're going to go for yeah. it against. It's yeah. a, and if you know Andy Reid's character. Yeah. Again, I can see where you'd be surprised. It wouldn't have shocked me if they would have called the timeout yeah. and punted it, but to be that adamant about it. Right. I know. But you know, the handy thing is if he doesn't do that, then there's there's
1: there's no fourth down decision. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And then who knows what's gonna happen. Is Kansas City even gonna get the ball back? So
0: Well yeah, and, and if he runs for it and he only gets five yards or something like that and it's and, and then, you know, it's still they're fourth punting. and nine. Yeah, they're obviously punting. Yeah. It's only because he got that close. But even that there, when you didn't see them jumping up and down on the side like you said, you thought that he might have got the first down anyhow. The fact that they weren't even really arguing and saying they wanted a measurement or something like that, or look relook at it or something that kind of gave you the sense that maybe they're just thinking we're going to get it now.
1: Yeah, they're going. You know, and Andy Be- said that because afterwards. if they yeah. were
0: going to punt, if they were hell bent on yeah. punting, they would have at least wanted another look at that play.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking the only way they were punting if it was fourth and three or more. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Fourth and two, I still think that they go for it. All right, all right. They're playing Buffalo. Buffalo, seventeen to three, winner. As well, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about that game here coming up. All right, we come back. On the other side of the break, we'll talk a little Las Vegas Aces basketball. Remember, the Aces were in the WNBA championship uh, round. That's right. They were in the finals in the bubble. And uh, hopefully, we'll get to see some games in the Mandalay Bay this year. Free agency is here. And uh, Dan Padover, the GM, joins us next.
2: What's up, guys? This is Mac from the Las Vegas Aces. You're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Boom! Yeah!
1: Don't forget, get on over to any of the William Hill Sportsbook Properties and get the mobile app. It's real easy. Download it on your phone first and foremost. And once you do that, you're going to deposit at least $50 into a brand new account. And guess what? Use the promo code TC50. They will give you an additional $50 $50 for free to put in your account. So, yeah, put $50 down, play with $100. It is that easy to do, especially with the AFC and NFC Championship games this weekend. We got NBA and, of course, everything else, college basketball. William Hill, get the mobile app, download it on the phone, get over to the Cosmopolitan or any of the William Hill sportsbooks. Use that promo code TC50 for free money in your account. So,
0: teaser card 50, <laughs> For, for william hill or tc for sure see
1: and you guys give me a bad time about <laughs> about the teaser pleaser but it serves me
0: well because again
1: i'm all about manipulating the line if you can manipulate the line and you get some good odds doing it then you do it in a william hill they have the 10 point teaser three teams you're only laying 120 manipulate the line 30 points my friend 10 in each game what's wrong with
0: that i'm kansas city i had them in a pick them i'm just glad that I- i'm not sweating I'm just glad that I channeled my inner Frank Gorshin today and played the riddler and figured out the riddle of what TC really stands for. Uh-huh. Aha! Always <laughs> was a Joker fan. I don't know. I think our next guest was more
1: of a Catwoman fan, though. And we're well, talking. Who isn't? This is true. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, a man with uh, with many talents and uh, and very in depth too. I'm telling you, he's he's got TV knowledge and everything. Dan Padover, the general manager of the Las Vegas Aces. Dan, the man. What's happening, partner? TC, long time no talk. How are we doing, brother? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. Are you uh kicking back at the confines of Las Vegas? You you traveling? What are you doing? Yeah,
2: so this weekend I uh, I'm on the East Coast visiting some family. saw saw my mom uh, over the weekend. So uh, just just taking it taking it relaxed.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, we know Bill's what kicking back in Florida, probably right. You know, enjoying some sunshine. Correct. Of course. Correct. Of course. That's it. All right, my friend. Uh... Well, a lot of stuff to talk about, and I know you, you really can't comment too much, but we talked about it um, last week, and it's up on the website right now, tcmartinshow.com, about Mark Davis uh, purchasing the Las Vegas Aces. Huge news. It was a huge news day when this uh, unfolded last week. We know that it's not 100% official, but we we saw the press release. We got the uh, the commentary or the statement from Mark Davis. We also got the com- uh, the statement from the MGM uh as well too. Uh Dan, some some thoughts. I know that you can't go into detail about all the negotiations that are that have transpired and the paperwork's not official, but just the thought of having the Las Vegas Aces having Mark Davis as an owner.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in many ways, um it's it's just the perfect match. I mean MGM Resorts did a phenomenal job moving the team from San Antonio and really putting the aces on the map in Las Vegas the past three years. Um, But as, you know, the franchise moves into a new era, um, you know, I think Mark with his in-depth knowledge of, you know, sports as a whole, you know, he's been around it for 50 plus years, uh, going back to his days in the equipment room with the Raiders. So it's, you know, couldn't be better. Um, He's super excited, been at all the games since day one and, I think it's just a great time. I think the, the past three years with MGM were awesome, but I think the future is going to be even brighter and a lot more to come from this franchise. And and not only what this
1: does for Las Vegas and the Aces franchise, I mean, having Mark Davis involved in the association with, with the Raiders, and let's be clear here, too, this is not that the Raiders are owning the Aces. This is Mark Davis and, and basically a, a separate company. But the reason... Why this is, Dan, and you know this, is because of his love and passion for the game. Not just the Aces, but the WNBA, women's basketball in general. This guy's been an avid supporter for the last couple seasons. It's been great seeing him there. Been great having him on w- with me in pre- and post-game shows when he's there. And and I, I told the story last week. When he comes on, he says, well, what do you want to talk about? And I said, well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about you know whatever you want to talk about, Mark. He goes, well... Can we just really stick to aces? Because I really don't want to talk Raiders. And I go, absolutely. That's where we're going to go yeah. with this thing. But that's that's him. That's really that's him. It's yeah. him. And, and and I think that's beautiful. So this is such a, a marriage that it makes so much sense in the world. And then, like I said, not just for Vegas, but can you already imagine what this is going to do? you know, across the country and for the WNB in general, knowing that, hey, basically your partner is the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you hit it on the head. It's it's pure and it's, and it's real. And he's got a passion for the sport. He's got a passion for the aces. And he's got a passion for the city. Um, and having someone like that who cares that much, um it's gonna speak volumes for our franchise, but also to the W as a whole. Um, and you know, just like MGM did, he's you know, he, he's gonna be really supportive of, of our franchise and, and, and the league moving forward. So it's it's a positive overall.
1: What is the timeline here here, do you think, that everything is official and you know, we, we, we start seeing things unfold.
2: Yeah, you know that's a great question. Um, you know, at this point, it's up to you know the league office. There's a B.O.G. approval process that that has to take place. So, you know, I, I would think, you know, not not too long, but um, in the next you know several weeks, I think we'll we'll hear more news and and really hear Mark's vision for the future. And um, it'll, it'll just be a matter of time.
1: All right, Dan Pat, over the, the general manager of the Las Vegas Aces, joins us here on the show along with my man, Ballpark Frank.
0: Obviously, uh, big news with Mark Davis getting involved in the the league and with the Aces in particular. But uh, what a lot of people are even more excited about is fans coming back to the games and being in there. And I know TC's chomping at the bit to be on the sideline again, doing that play-by-play, the great job that he does there. But what does it mean to this team with the fans? I mean, they got through the bubble or the wobble for the WNBA, but uh, I know that every player in the league, every coach in the league, is dying to get the fans there once again and probably one of the best fan experiences in the entire league is here in Vegas.
2: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point and that's why, you know, 2020 in many, you know, respects is disappointing because it was really going to be one heck of a product um to put on for our fans. Not that 18 and 19 weren't, but we we really had some momentum after that semifinals run against Washington. And we're really excited to seeing everybody back at the house this past year. Um, but look, I think, you know, it's like anything else, everybody adjusted. We, we, we played a season, which was super important for the W. And now it's just a matter of seeing how circumstances unfold over the next few months, but make no mistake, our players, our coaches, um, they, they're really hoping we can get back in front of our fans because they're unbelievable. And, you know, they really are our, you know, Derek and our sixth woman of the year, but they're our sixth woman of the year also, is that that great fan base we have. So hoping that we can get back and, and really put on a show for the for the group.
1: So Dan, let's talk a little bit about last season, the year in review. Guys make it to the WNBA finals. Like you said, just a shame that you know weren't weren't hosting games there at the Mandalay Bay. But again, it, it was quite a season. Uh television ratings were were very good between ESPN and ABC as well, too. Uh, the season started with some injuries. I remember Bill saying, "Man, I really don't even have enough to to practice here, let alone scrimmage." And then it kind of ended that way, where De'Erica Hamby, you just mentioned her, you know, uh, you know, ended up, uh, you know, missing the last couple games. It was such a shame. And then obviously playing there in Florida in the bubble. Uh, give us your thoughts on the season in general.
2: Yeah, look, I couldn't be more proud of of our players and coaches. I mean, we went into the season down uh, kelsey plum with you know an achilles injury um liz couldn't play for you know medical opt-out reasons due to COVID, um uh, and we went in just saying hey let's let's really make the best of it and that's exactly what happened and obviously asia had an incredible mvp season but everybody rallied um, coaching staff did a wonderful job i think our bench between jackie danielle and and erica the regular season really helped us, you know, really helped spark what Asia was doing with the starting lineup. Um, and it just kind of took on a life of its own. And the next thing you know, you know, we finished as the number one seed, um, you know, D'Erica gets hurt. We have a long series with Connecticut um, and we just didn't have enough to beat Seattle. Quite frankly, they had a lot of their weapons ready and able to go. We had ours either not with us in Florida or injured on the sideline. Um, but given You know the the adversity we faced from a roster standpoint. I think it was one heck of a season. You always want to win, um, and our players will be the first ones to tell you that they they're not satisfied with you know losing in the finals. But um, I couldn't be more proud. You know, looking outwardly um, at what they did, it it was an unbelievable season.
0: Obviously, Vegas now a major league city with the Aces, the Golden Knights, and the Raiders—all teams showing improvement and showing that chance to win. How much would it mean for the Aces, and they almost said it last year, to be the first major league professional franchise to hoist a championship and to have that trophy out there? We know the Golden Knights are on the brink of it. The Raiders are are trying to get better and get back in the playoffs and win that Super Bowl. But the Aces were in the finals last year and could be, probably will be, one of, if not the favorite to win it all.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's not about being the first as much as our team just wants to win. Um, you know, we, we'd have it no different than if we won and the Raiders and the Knights also won. So for us, it's just about winning that championship. Um, our players are committed, our coaches are committed, and we know the city is committed. So for that fan base, it would mean nothing more. And I think in our opinion, it's it's not competition. We're all brothers and sisters, and, you know, the more the merrier. So let's all, let's all take it home.
1: And we, we talk about what has transpired here, how this, like Frank said, the... You know, how this has turned into such a major sports, you know, city now. Like I said, the WNBA, the NFL, the NHL, and possibly the NBA coming now. And again, if the NBA does come, I firmly believe, Dan, it's because of the success that the that the ACEs have had in the WNBA here. But when you when you look at all of this, it just you guys go through an ownership change. And people were already looking like, wow, the MGM owns the aces and you know really when you compare to the other 11 other teams in the WNBA, no one kind of had an ownership group like this they get sold usually going oh man that's that that could be a negative but no it's like an upgrade if there could ever be an upgrade i mean you wouldn't think there could be one going from a major conglomerate a casino industry to the owner of the of an nfl franchise i mean the news just keeps getting bigger and bigger and brighter and
2: brighter here yeah, I would say it's more about right place, right time. You know, I, I firmly believe MGM was the right place on the right time um, for the first three years of this franchise. But, you know, Mark came along and, and has a vision for the future. And to your point, it really is exciting. Um, and I think, you know, not just for, for the Aces, but for the WNBA as a whole, it's it's going to be a new era. And we've got, you know, someone who is super invested in the product, and more than anything, super invested in the players and the work they can do in the, in the community that they play for. So it's, it's going to be all positive from a business standpoint, but also from a community standpoint. Uh, and I think that's something that Mark is super passionate about is making sure that the Aces give back to you know, the wonderful city of Las Vegas and support it as much as it supported us.
1: And Dan Pat over the general manager of the Las Vegas aces, all right Dan free agency uh it's it, we're here you know on the cusp here, so the aces have been very active in the last you know few years I mean since they came here to Las Vegas, you guys have drafted exceptionally well we've talked about the four number one overall picks, uh, a great roster as it is. You added some pieces uh you know last year. What are you expecting to do here once free agency? Um, you know, comes about here and you are able to sign. Give us some idea what the aces need from a position standpoint.
2: Yeah, I think more than anything, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, two of our key players, Kelsey Plum and Liz Cambage, weren't with us last year. So we're very much um, at a point where we're looking at our team and we really have to recruit our own players first. Um, And the biggest thing is making sure you can keep this group together as long as you can. Um, You know, there's going to be one-offs here or there that leave. There's going to be one-offs here or there that you bring in. Um, But, you know, we want the main core to stay intact, and we're going to do everything we can to do that while also balancing the future. Um, You know, the salary cap is a very delicate thing that if you get reckless, you can mortgage your future. So uh, we're going to be smart. We're going to always be active. um, But we're going to always put the franchise first um, both now and the future, so um, it's going to be an exciting time. I think there's, you know, a bunch of different scenarios the way this could shake out. I, I think if I could guess right now, my guess would probably be wrong. So I'm not even going to try. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, I'm, I'm excited for February 1st when when players can start to sign up with various teams. All
1: right, and where are you guys at cap room wise?
2: Um, we're in a good spot. You know, it's all about. Um, You know who you who you re-sign and how much you pay them. We have, uh, you know, a lot of free agents as do a lot of other teams. So we've got flexibility, but at the same time we've got a lot of really good players um, that we need to account for, not just now but long term.
1: What is the status of Liz Cambage? Like you said, we know that she opted out last year. Uh, What have the conversations been like? If you've had some with her, and what are the expectations for her being back here?
2: Yeah, um, I actually just talked to Liz again last night. I have every belief in the world that um, Liz is super excited about being back um, in 2021. Uh, you know, She doesn't want to play anywhere else but here, so we will resign her. Um, that's just a matter of time, and I can't wait to see her back on the floor. So all, all positives in that regard.
0: When it comes to player personnel decisions with free agents, the WNBA draft or anything else, Who makes those decisions? We know that some teams, the owners make them. Some teams, the coaches have it. I'm sure you have a group that makes those decisions, but who's involved in those moves?
2: Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's myself and Bill uh, working closely also with our assistant coaches and medical staff. Um, You know, you always give ownership an idea of what you're doing and make sure that they're on board with the different scenarios you have laid out. Um, But at the end of the day, it comes down to uh, Bill and myself, and we've been together for a long time since New York. Uh, We're always on the same page, so, um, you know, usually it's the two of us making the final call.
1: All right, there it is. All right, we look forward to uh, the season, and as of right now, Dan, what is – is there any talk at all with the league? Are we going to start on time um. Will there be, you know, will they allow opt-outs again? Uh, what's the early indication here? I know that we're still, you know, in the middle of COVID.
2: Yeah, I mean, great question. Um, and you know what? The league's actually doing the right thing right now. And they're, they're not saying, you know, what their path would be if the league started, to, if the season started today. Um, there's a lot of scenarios on the table. I think they need to see how the virus, you know, de-escalates over the next four months. Uh, what happens with, you know, the vaccine and other um, items. And then they're going to make a holistic decision on when the season should start, how it should, you know, be in place, what the protocols will be. Um, So right now I'm having my staff operate as if it's a normal schedule, as I think most teams are, just because that's all you can plan for. Um, And as the league has more information from medical officials and the other leagues, they study like obviously the NBA um, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. But we're planning for normal, and we'll just see how it all unfolds.
1: There it is. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing the moves that are made and the signings that happen. It'll be a very busy time for you. And uh, Aces fans will be watching very closely over the next couple of weeks. And uh, let's don't forget, let's get a little shout-out to our MVP, Asia Wilson, and our good friend uh, of the program here as well, too. Statue goes up in, uh, on her alma mater, University of South Carolina, and the ceremony was earlier today.
2: Yeah, unbelievable, right? No. I mean, no, no more deserving person than Asia Wilson uh, to receive that. You know, and obviously the things she did, did for South Carolina—not just from a women's basketball program, not just for an athletic department, but a university as a whole. She's uh, she's a good gem, and they're lucky to call her an alum.
1: Dan, she's got to be the youngest person I know, youngest living person, that <laughs> gets a statue. I'm seriously,
2: what? Uh, I, know, I know. Seriously, and what? My 24 like, for- year old gets a gets a statue? Are you kidding me? I know, I know, and you're getting up there, man. so you've seen a lot. So that's got to be that's got to be one of
0: the one of the youngest ones. TC's just hoping for a bobblehead night at the, one of the games. <laughs>
2: that's, that's what I was going to ask him. What does he What does he want? You know, I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking about. Uh, I, I never heard of. Uh, I think it's great. You know,
0: come on, fans, come back that? to Mandalay Bay. TC Bobblehead Night. Okay, Good. There we go. My agent, or or maybe a Pez dispenser, because there's got to be food involved. Yes, this is true. I don't
2: know. I, I think he may be. I think TC may be
1: a thunderstick at best, but we'll see. Oh, I like the idea of a of a, of a nacho plate. Yeah, go with food, Frank. You're right, uh, Dan. I I want a food item uh, named after me. That's it. You got it. Give me you a nacho plate. That'd be it.
0: good. Right, but, but for a thunderstick, you'd need two of them, so they could bash them together during yeah. the game to make that's, the noise. That's, that's right. That's good. That's, that's right. Good.
1: That's, good. that's good. Yeah. That's good. yeah that's it. Have one one of me and one of Jiggy bang those things together. That'd be a nightmare, wouldn't it? That
2: would be a terrible sound. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: The TC getting jiggy night.
2: There you go. <laughs> there you
1: go. <laughs> oh, all right, brother. Hey, be good. Great talking with you, my friend. And uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon.
2: Be well. Be safe. Everyone
1: have a great one, all right? You got it, brother. All right, there he is, Dan over. the general manager of the Las Vegas Aces. Great guy got brought in the fold here a couple of years ago. Uh, worked with Bill Lambeer with the New York Liberty, and it's true. These two guys are on the same page. They've done a masterful job of putting together this roster. And, again, if you're not totally familiar with the WNBA or the Aces and you haven't been out to games, and we have some fans that are extremely passionate with the season ticket fan base and everything, but, uh, again, this is gaining steam. And, like we talked about, you mentioned it. Yeah, they are in the finals last year, and – Hopefully this returns. This team is getting better and better and better. And, again, uh, just year one. I mean, knocking on the door of the playoffs and look where they're, where they're at right now. So uh, it's it's a great franchise, and uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: And, and he gave the answer I expected when I asked him that question about wouldn't they like to be the first. I know you root for everybody. Y- you know you'd love to be that first professional team. By the way, I want to give a quick shout-out to my buddy yes. Ron Frazier who's yep. celebrating a birthday today. That's right. Ron Frazier, he's right. – <clears throat> Older than he was a day ago. <laughs> That's all you're <laughs> going to say? That's it? I'm not going to throw his number out there because because then at the end of the week he'll be throwing mine out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Ron. And I know that Ron's been on uh, with you and filled in for me and stuff, so appreciate that. All right. Great stuff. Uh, tomorrow we're back at it again talking more NFL football. NBA and a whole lot more hitting some college basketball. UNLV got their first uh, victory over New Mexico over the weekend as well, too. So, And more Golden Knights. We'll recap what happens
0: tonight. Golden Knights in action. 7 o'clock tonight against Arizona. Yeah, I know some and, people are saying, who's in gold tonight? Do we have to do this every game? It's, it's going to yeah. be Leonard tonight. I know. And hopefully it'll be uh, probably Flurry on, Fleury on Wednesday. Wednesday. We'll check it out. Alright. For perfectly frank, Nubchuck, the quake
1: and teaser card Martin. There you go. <laughs> miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Check out those best bets because we all were on fire last weekend as well, too. That's at tcmartinshow.com. See you tomorrow at 2.